Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Monty Warden. Today I'm with Lorenzo Marotti Campi from the Marotti Campi Winery in the Marche. Hi, Monty. Hi, nice to meet you. Now, listen, tell me a little bit about your your estate, the history of it. It was founded in the 1860s, I think. Yes, it was founded in 1860 by my ancestor uh, at the time, uh, in a in a moment where the gold of Lamarca was weed. So we have one, we had 120 hectares of weed. Uh, weed? No, sorry, marijuana. Weed. Oh, You're going marijuana. This is the this is the <laughs> marijuana podcast. There'll be millions <laughs> of psalms across no, North weed. America. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> no, cracking it's bottles green. of champagne. No, Wheat, wheat, okay, sorry. <laughs> You're never going to sell another bottle in North America again. No, actually, they liberalize it, uh, so I'm going to sell in Col- everything in Colorado. <laughs> so uh, that was in the 1860s, and so what were they growing again? Uh, grain uh, and crops, and <laughs> sunflowers, still sugar beads, uh, uh, lots of uh, crops uh, like uh, most of the farmers in the market. But the first vineyard were planted in 1867, so we've always been producing grapes and selling the grapes for generation. My father is the one who planted most of the vineyards. He was uh, called, your dad? Giovanni, dad? Giovanni, my father. He's, he's still uh, still alive. Mm-hmm. Today we have uh, 56 hectares of grapes uh, divided between Verdicchio and Lacrima. On oh. top of that, we're renting 15 hectares of Lacrima. So total production, 70 hectares of estate grapes. Okay, so tell me a little bit about what makes Verdicchio such a special white wine grape in the Marche. Verdicchio is for sure the most known uh, wine from the Marche. It's a very versatile grape. Uh, it can be interpreted in different ways both in the vineyards and in the winery that's why you have so many expression of verdicchio is very interesting it keeps you always uh, exploring a new expression of this grape because uh, the area of verdicchio itself uh, is quite large and it covers uh, different climates and different kind of soil and also because the grape itself uh, uh, permits you to uh, have early harvest uh, later harvest later harvest you can be done in sparkling pasito so it's a very interesting grape uh, itself could you call it like it's Italy's Riesling? Well, I, I do not agree so much on this uh, comparison because Verdicchio has nowhere uh, the acidity of the Riesling. Uh, on the other hand, Verdicchio has a very nice uh, big structure, big body. That's helped Verdicchio in the aging. In fact, it's one of the best aging white that we have in Italy. But I don't think it does age because of the crazy acidity. There are more acidic wine in Italy. But because of the bone structure of the wine itself that helps him in long aging. So what are typical flavors we'll find in Verdicchio in general and in your Verdicchio? in particular? Well, Verdicchio is not an aromatic grape for sure, so you don't expect from Verdicchio a vertical nose that you have uh, in a Sauvignon or Chardonnay. Uh, it's a, it tends to be a bit more austere in the early stage of life. Uh, you have this uh, broom, filled flowered notes, uh, almond. It's a very elegant nose. You, you really have to, to discover the nose slowly in the glass. Uh, it's not something that strikes you when Verdicchio is young. On the other hand, Verdicchio relies a lot on the on the aging potential, so there is a secondary tertiary aroma of Verdicchio that makes a Verdicchio unique. Uh, it comes out a lot of uh, minerality, a Flintstone, uh, acacia honey, some other expression of Verdicchio, especially on, on Metallica area. And Metallica, is, that's a slightly cooler area, isn't it? Away from it's the slightly coast. cooler, yes. Uh, same grape, uh, different areas, smaller uh, and cooler. 
towards the mountains. The verdicchio that I produce is more towards the coast. Moro d'Alba has a typical Mediterranean climate. So is, it, is it a little bit warmer down at the coast, or is it cooler because you get the coolness from the sea at night time? It, it is warmer, but uh, it's a bit more windy, uh, so it helps uh, in uh, keeping a healthy grape, uh, and uh, it definitely has a, a more impact on the full maturation of the grapes. So when you're picking your verdicchio, what do you look for? Do you, do you want the berries to be green or yellow or orange? How does it work for a well, doing like uh, doing three verdicchio, I want them all. Uh, I want the green, I want the yellow, I want the orange. Uh, I try to, to differentiate uh, the wines that I make mostly on the uh, picking time. So we start with a very almost early harvest with for our basic verdicchio. What's that one called? Albiano. Albiano is our entry-level verdicchio, yes. It's a stainless steel vinified without oxygen, so it's meant to be a bit more ready, a bit more on the primary aromas than the other two. What, the would, you, what would you drink that with? Well, Albiano is very good with the aperitif uh, or antipasti. It's not a verdicchio on the on, on, on the full power. Uh, it's a verdicchio that, that is enjoyable even alone. I find verdicchio always more a food wine. With the Albiano, we wanted to have something a bit lighter that can be enjoyed in a hot summer season like this season in particular. Okay, what's the next verdicchio in the range? The then? next is for sure the most typical expression of verdicchio, which is our Luzano, verdicchio superiore. is a straightforward verdicchio. Austere, when it's young, doesn't have uh, lots of floral notes uh, that may be present in the earlier one. On the contrary, after one, two years, it builds up nice minerality. It's very crisp, completely dry, with a nice almond finish, which is very present in the in the Luzano. Okay, you mentioned that um, Verdicchio can make sweet wines as well. You make a passito. I do make a passito. So what is a passito and how do you make it? Passito, we do a particular kind of passito. We do uh, drying on the field. So we cut the cluster, we leave hanging on the, on, the, on the vines. We don't do it every year, also because the market of passito is not a huge market. It's not something that we need to produce and have every year. Once in a while, we make a passito, we sell for several years. Here's, uh, we do age the Pasito long. So we've been selling 2007 until last year. Then we skipped uh, several vintages. We are coming out with 2014 uh, this year. So what do you drink a Pasito with? Cheese? Our Pasito is not extremely sweet. Vedicchio nature is not particularly uh, floral or sweet nature. So we don't want to go too much against the nature of Vedicchio doing a super sweet passito. We leave our passito very much verdicchio, so about 60-50 gram sugar, but with a nice contrast with the sapidity of the grape and the slightly almond finish, which is still there, so it's not a dessert passito. I like it very much with aged cheese, in particular in La Marca we have formaggio di fossa, which is a, a cheese that ages in the ground on the leaves. Is that a white cheese with or some, blue cheese? No, no, it is, a, it is a white cheese, but an aged one, and uh, paired with uh, some uh, vegetable uh, marmalade, so okay. very sounds nice. good. Okay, so tell me a little bit about uh, Lacrima di Moro, what is it? Lacrima, Lacrima, it's a unique grape, uh, it's a grape that was about to go extinct. In 1985 there were seven hectares left and then was going to die forever. Red or white grape? Uh, red. It's a red grape. It's a red grape uh, grown exclusively in, uh, in the area of Moro d'Alba village and four villages surrounding Moro d'Alba. So the territory of Lacrima is uh, much smaller than Verdicchio, very, very small. We decided to recover the Lacrima 
Lacrima along with few producers because uh, it is a truly unique varietals. Uh, every producer loves to say my wine has a strong personality, my, my wine is unique. With the Lacrima, I don't even need to say that because once you put the Lacrima on the nose, you recognize amongst many. Lacrima is a red grape that, contrary from Verdicchio, has a, a very strong uh, aromatic uh, nose. So what, what flavors Rose, would be looking Roses, for? violet, lavender. Those are the primary aromas of the Lacrima, of a clean Lacrima. And when it ages, how does it, what does it turn to? With the aging, those uh, uh, fresh flowers, they do not become fruits. If only one fruit may be present in the aged lacrima, which is a blackberry, that's what I find, which is also a balsamic kind of uh, fruit. But mainly they drive the, into spices, pepper, juniper, some clove, some incense. Those are the uh, the spectrum. Uh, this is the spectrum of the of the lacrima. What would you drink a uh, lacrima with? Lacrima, lacrima is a about? lovely combination with all the white meat, oily uh, oily meat, the greener kind of meat. Uh, we have locally we eat a lot of pigeon, uh, which is very green, but uh, chicken liver, duck, gamey birds. Uh, uh, the lacrima really bring back the the green note to the floral uh, spectrum and making the dish much more elegant and and. And tasty. And so you said age as well. I mean, how how long would it age? It was not meant. It was not meant to be an aged uh, red wine, but it doesn't mean doesn't age well. Uh, Lacrima uh, has a very nice acidity, is uh, extremely rich in anthocyanins, and it ages potentially very well. We still have 2000 uh, vintage Lacrima, 2001, which are in perfectly good shape, uh, and it's very consistent in the aging. Uh, I recently opened 15 vintages. None of them was uh, uh, tired or or dead. They were all the acidity kept the wine alive. Is it an easy grape to grow, the Lacrima? No, I think it's the most difficult grape uh, in the world. That's that's what, that's why it was about to disappear. It's really a pain, the Lacrima, and it's very expensive too because you have to replant the vineyards constantly because the, the old Lacrima grapes were planted on a rootstock that proven not to be optimal. So most of the old Lacrima grapes, after 20, 25 years, tend to die. So you have to explant the vineyards and replant a new one, experimenting hoping that in within 20 years uh, uh, you made uh, the best choice in terms of uh, rootstock. So do, if you pick it late, um, is it a very resistant variety if it rains? Mm, not at all. Lacrima itself means teardrop. That's because uh, Lacrima has a very compact cluster and so in the maturation it tends to burst and release these black tears on the ground. That's the time you have to harvest very quickly. Otherwise it develops molds and it's not good for the grape and it's tears, not very flexible. T- tears for the wine grower too, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, correct. So you mentioned earlier on that you have your own vineyards and you do buy in some grapes. Occasionally, but just because uh, I produce Lacrima for many other wineries. So right. those wines, uh, I may occasionally need uh, more wine than what I need for myself. But my bottles are 100% always uh, uh, estate grapes. So why, I mean, why bother? It, it, it rots, it it's grafts really badly. It's not particularly disease resistant and it's quite a, a unique, odd ball style of wine. Masochism, eh? Masochism. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I think uh, this decision usually you don't make. You find yourself in an area where there is a specific grape, uh, like me, I had my estate. Uh, we wanted to, uh, to to really produce an added value for the estate, for the area. And we found that the Lacrima, it's true that it's a pain uh, to grow. On the other hand, uh, is a wine which is so unique. And I thought uh, if along with the character of the lacrima we managed to make also 
a good wine, then we have a good wine with a personality, which is something uh, a bit rare uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the past uh, years, in recent years, because they, they all tend to be a bit more uh, homogeneous uh, for, for the market. And so. so it's a wine with a big personality. Yeah. So who? what are your main markets for the Lacrima? US, it's a good market. We are selling in UK too. Japan. I sell small but everywhere. From Peru, where I just found that Lacrima is a perfect pairing with a very traditional dish of chicken cooked in leaves, forest leaves, exotic forest leaves. And to New Zealand, everywhere small, because Lacrima is not for sure mass market or high rotation red wine, but it's always a wine that makes sense in a wine list because it's so different that it's complementary to the other red wines. Yeah, and it's so lovely to have a glass at the end of a meal isn't it the end of the start uh during so <laughs> lorenzo marotti Campi, thanks very much for talking to us today on the italian Thank wine you. podcast you are fighting a heroic battle with uh, lacrima and you make um fantastic uh, especially this vintage which is uh, like but zero zero production in this vintage <laughs> which is two thousand. this vintage is what 2017 17, right, yeah? yeah, well what's happened warm. in 2017 but the lacrima itself uh, it's a uh, very inconsistent in terms of quantities so, uh, so this vintage the flowers uh, themselves were very much less than the past vintage on top of that the heat and the dry season uh, so we are harvesting about uh 40 quintals hectare. So Lorenzo Marotti-Campi, thanks very much for coming in today. It's been fascinating to talk to you, especially hearing about uh, not just your Verdicchio, but also the Lacrima di Morodalba. Beautiful, great variety. And hats off to you for, for sticking with it and saving a piece of Italian Venice heritage. Thank you for being in Le Marche. No come way. back when you want. I'll come back anytime. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. 